Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about uh, something I had a really tough time with early in my recovery. So my wife and I started to engage in this process of not only looking at my recovery from addiction, but also really importantly, her healing process from betrayal trauma. Mm-hmm. As we talked about last time, a lot of the time, it's all hands on deck, full focus on the addict, right? Yeah. His recovery and everything going on. And too often, the wife can get neglected or almost ignored. And so we've been focusing on this uh, concept of looking at her betrayal trauma and her healing process and all the things that go into that. So a critical part of that that has to be part of this discussion is the principle of boundaries. How does she start to set healthy boundaries in the relationship? Mm. And I have to tell you, I remember back to that and it was really tough because I'm thinking, wait a second, what are you talking about boundaries? You mean all the things that I can't do suddenly? And you have to understand, I was raised in a home where I observed my mom and different stepdads. There was no boundaries. Mm. So I had no mentoring and no example of how to set boundaries. It was all this passive aggressive stuff. Nobody ever said what they meant. No one ever expressed their needs. And so they basically just went around doing all these little acts of sabotage and right smile, but then stab them in the back, you know, behind the scenes later. Yep. So I was taught all the dysfunctional ways that you go forward in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden my wife's learning, well, there's this thing called healthy boundaries. And of course, my reaction is, well, wait a second, what are you talking about? Boundaries? There's no boundaries. Don't we just sort of take this as it comes each day and work it out the best we can? <laughs> so as guys are hearing this about, oh, great, Mark and Steve are going to tell my wife about all the boundaries she's going to set up now. Well, let me, let me say up front that one of the things that's really important for, for us as guys is give us the end result up front. So if you mm. can give me the end goal, the end vision, where's this all headed? 
and let me see the end from the beginning so that I know that this pain is going to be worth it. Yeah. So as yeah. I think about boundaries, if we want to have a really healthy, and you and I talk, Steve, a lot about intimacy. Mm-hmm. Into me, you see. Into you, I see. Right? We're vulnerable. We're transparent. What's the raw, the real, the closeness, the honesty, all of these amazing things that we, we want to have in a relationship. None of that is possible unless we start to establish boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are the clear understandings, the clear expectations? How do we begin to express our needs with regards to things that we may not be comfortable with? How do we start to, right? Everything has to have yeah. boundaries. Properties have fences, right? Mm-hmm. Companies have guidelines. Everything that you see around you has some sort of boundary to it. And yet, in relationships, we can tend to throw that out and not pay attention to it. And so it becomes something with no boundaries, no limits, no no fences, no guidelines, no principles. And then we wonder why those relationships can be so dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So I came from an upbringing where I knew nothing about boundaries between a husband and a wife. Now my wife is learning all these healthy ways to set boundaries. And I have to tell you, my, my ego addict brain kind of freaked out. Yeah. Well, so yeah. what's this going to be like? Mm. This isn't going to be like things have been in the past. I can only imagine what's going to happen now as we go forward. Yeah. But I got to tell you, today, because we've practiced for years with this thing called boundaries, and this might surprise some guys, but I have to tell you, I am so glad that my wife held her ground, that she, Mm -hmm. many times in an uncomfortable way, a way that was not comfortable for her, she got tough. And she set boundaries, and then she held them because... I'm going to tell you guys, when, when, when our wife set boundaries, we're going to test them. We're going to see if she really means it. Yeah, she's learning about all these boundaries, but she'll, she'll get over it. She'll give in. She'll, she'll, she'll waffle, and I'll just start testing this fence, just like kids do. <laughs> she, she set boundaries. <clears throat> they start testing them immediately. And I did that. I'm going to admit that I did that. And bless her heart, she, she held tough, man, and it was not comfortable for her. I can tell you, looking back, it was, it was pretty excruciating because she also grew up in a home where boundaries were not a part of what she observed. But it's worth it. Our, our relationship and our closeness and what we share today with each other would never have been possible without boundaries. And the reason boundaries are so important is because they established this wonderful, amazing, critical factor in a healthy marriage called safety. Boundaries create safety. Fences create safety. And without them, you can't enjoy safety. And without safety, you can't have closeness and intimacy. You can't let your whole self go and be your whole raw, honest, open self if you don't feel safe. Yeah. And you've, you've experienced that in your own, in your marriages, we've talked about it and with your clients, just like I have with mine. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I like you and probably like most guys who struggle with addiction or, or gals who struggle with addiction out there. When uh, we are first introduced to boundaries, I think I, I know for me, it was an incredibly uncomfortable topic, right? Um, my, I mean, addiction by definition, (laughs) 
among other things, you know, one of the attributes of it is generally speaking, there aren't boundaries, um, at least any real solid ones. And um, very much like you, I kind of had this idea in my head of, you know, I didn't, I didn't uh, have have these these types of boundaries mirrored in my relationship growing up in large measure because my dad wasn't around. He'd he'd passed away, and so I didn't really, you know, and and sex was sort of a, a conservative topic in my household. It wasn't something that we talked about a whole lot and mushy, touchy feely stuff. Just based on my, you know, my upbringing, that was not the kind of uh, forte that was put on on uh, uh, on relationships and the way the family did things. So. Uh, it was very foreign to me too. And, and, you know, especially when we talk about, cause we're, we're even talking about boundaries in, in the sexual context today and in terms of sexual intimacy and using that as a, as a template for all you guys listening to be able to set boundaries in other areas of your life, not just this one. But when it came to, came to, uh, you know, doing that, I, I didn't looking back, I don't think I understood the difference between intimacy and sex like at all. <laughs> Yeah, um, I had no concept of kind of how those two topics work together. Um, I thought one was kind of the other. And in my practice, uh, you know, going back to, you know, not just my experience, but the experience of the guys that I work with. Um, I know lots of guys who have lots of sex in their marriage or women who have lots of sex in their marriage, but who also have very little intimacy because they aren't the same thing. Um, well, and it, I've actually tested that over the years. It's so funny because I do a lot of speaking and I've in public settings, I'll often ask the question. So when I say the word intimacy, what do all of you think of first? <laughs> and I'll ask how many of you thought of the word sex? Yep. And 99% of the audience raised their hands uh, because that's the cultural default or norm that we're raised with. As soon as someone says intimacy, oh, you mean sex? Yeah. Well, actually, no, I don't mean that. And you can have sex without being intimate and you can be intimate without having sex. Yes. But that boy, Absolutely. that is a foreign concept to how we're raised in this culture and especially what pornography teaches us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think one of the things that we're going to be talking about as we go through this today is is not just how to set these boundaries, but also uh, Mark and I are going to draw on our own experiences about what resistance to boundaries looks like, <laughs> Yeah, how that plays out, right? Mark already mentioned mentioned one about kind of his, his resistance. I mean, I think most of us guys, we tend to, maybe, maybe should we just talk about this for a second since we're going to be jumping into this? Yeah, sure. Um, Let's do it probably a good way to look at it is you got to, you got to remember when you're, you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with an addiction. Uh, in this case, we're referencing that as, as, as the guy in the relationship, although that's not always the case for, for your typical addict, whether it's a sex addict or, you know, any other form of addict for that matter, among other things, we have used our drug in this case, sex as a way to numb out, cope with and medicate stuff away. So it kind of becomes our upper and our downer to use drug lingo. It's the way that we get excited about things and, it's the way that we relieve stress from things. And it's, you know, so we're constantly using it to medicate and manage. Addicts have a, generally have a very low level of self-esteem when you get honest with them. They don't do well in terms of looking inward. Um, it's one of the reasons, like we talked about a couple of, of uh, podcasts ago, why guys are so resistant to journaling is because it means it's all about looking inside and looking at what's going on inside of you. And um, when, you're talking about, uh, when you're talking about boundaries and in the sexual realm, um, between the pornography and the damage that that's done to a guy about the norms, quote unquote, of sex, and and coupled with the fact 
that the guy has used sex to maintain kind of a healthy, well, not, not healthy, to maintain his mood or to regulate his mood or how he's feeling. When you start to threaten that in any way, that is scary territory for an addict because, again, for an addict, more in more ways than they realize, so much of the relationship is based on the quality of the sexual component. And when you start to even push up against that, it, it brings up a lot of things ranging from fear to resentment to them having to, because they're having to, among other things, it's this prospect of having to face life, right? Without these other things going on. So we're going to talk about that as we go through, through today. And that's why we're going to, frankly, if we're being honest, that's why we're using sex as an example of how to set boundaries, because this, chances are for you, you guys who are listening, this is probably going to be one of the most volatile areas in terms of setting boundaries. So if you can do a good job of it here, the other areas for the most part tend to be easier. So, well, let me, let me do a little neuroscience insertion right there. Why, why does the addict brain freak out whenever this issue of boundaries comes up? And it's really, if you think of that part of the brain as the survival mechanism within us, and if I grow up in a culture where I learn that these sexual outlets are a place for me to escape to, to cope with life, to handle my stress, to deal with things when I'm either bored or isolated or whatever it is, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever thing that's uncomfortable in my life. And now sex becomes my drug of choice to self-medicate. Now someone, let's say my wife comes to me and says, Oh, by the way, I'm about to set boundaries on your use of your favorite medication. And the survival brain says, excuse me, you're about to do what? And so don't be surprised as we talk about this and your wife actually starts to set boundaries that part of your brain is freaking out. Mm. And you may, you may have some emotional reactions to this that even surprise you. Yes. Maybe some anger outbursts. Maybe you shut down and go silent. You're resentful. You're moody. How dare she? It's because you're threatening the very survival mechanism that your brain has learned. It's its go-to place when life gets unmanageable. And now you're saying, nope, boundaries on that. Sorry. So it's a natural response from that part of the brain. Absolutely. Well, and and we're talking about this vision piece, right? And so maybe this is a good time to kind of mention this. I'll have guys come into my office frequently when when I start setting boundaries with their wife. You know, their wife's coming in for help with the betrayal trauma and and, uh, you know, whatnot, and we start making progress, oftentimes I will hear for the, from the husbands and not too long after that, usually in kind of a scared and or confrontive sort of a way. And they will come to me and, you know, say more or less, hey, thanks a lot. I'm glad I'm paying you all this money so you can teach my wife not to have sex with me. That's great. <laughs> Appreciate <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. That is money well spent. (laughs) And what I will oftentimes have to do with them is kind of paint the vision that we're going to talk about right now. Um, What I will do with a guy who is struggling with that, because I think it's normal to think that, right? On the outset, oftentimes boundaries can look like punishments. Yes. But the thing of it is that you have to remember is that boundaries are sent from that right place. If they're set from that place of what we talked about last time, which is from that place of my own authentic self and making sure my needs are met, it has nothing to do with controlling or changing the behavior of another person when you set good boundaries. It has everything to do with putting up, putting up uh, a fence, if you will, to keep yourself safe, right, at a baseline level. And so even though those may look like, uh, on the surface to a lot of guys, they may look like punishments. If we, if we set those boundaries in the right way, uh, they definitely 
they definitely aren't going to be. So if we if we give kind of that classic example, right around around how this works. Um, so well, Mark, I want to I want to oh, say something really quick. Please go ahead. It's crazy because we're going to be talking about what appears to be a paradox. Mm-hmm. If you set mm-hmm. boundaries, which at first you see as restrictive, what we promise you is that in the setting of boundaries, you're actually going to see your relationship become expansive. Yes, it's going to become yes. bigger and more joyful and and more more sexual and arousing in all kinds of healthy ways that weren't possible when you did not have the boundaries. It seems like a contradiction, but it really isn't. The better boundaries you set, the more expansive and complete and whole the relationship can become. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, and and that's kind of going back to that vision piece, right? You know, addressing those concerns of the guy who feels like these are just restrictions. What the way that I I explain that to guys is, you know, when a wife is setting a good set of, and we're going to talk about how guys set boundaries too here, right? We may get to that today, we may not. Um, this uh, segment of the podcast, Betrayal, we're on part three, and we could probably have like part fifteen. So uh, we're going to just see how that goes today, if we uh, how far we get. But but in that context, uh, oftentimes what a guy needs to be, ex- what he needs explained to him is the fact that the big picture of boundaries isn't just about the don'ts, right? That's what we always think of when, when people set boundaries, when people talk about it, because it's popular lingo out there, right? Outside the counseling office. People think of boundaries as just like, no, you don't cross here, no trespassing, blah, 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 blah. And that is definitely a part of boundaries for sure. Um, but the bigger, the bigger component to boundaries, like for example, in this sexual context for a guy, it's important that you guys understand that your wife is actually doing the most loving thing that she can because what she's doing is she's learning how to express and set uh, what, well, boundaries, let's not find another word for it, right? What uh, fences need to be set up or what rules need to be in place so that she can really show up and be present in the relationship the way that you're looking for. I mean, even with the guys that I, with, with guys that I work with who are very, very deep into the addiction, uh, when I will explore with them kind of what are you looking for out of, you know, your sexual activity or what are you looking for from that relationship? Um, for most of the men that I work with, uh, probably 99%, all the sex in the world doesn't compensate for true legitimate intimacy where two partners are actually present and engaged and a wife is not just participating but involved and engaged and, and you know, both people are into each other. That's you know, you always see those little uh, stupid magazine topics, you know, like 50 ways to have mind-blowing sex or whatever. We're going to give you the tip. This is how you have mind-blowing sex today, okay? This is the way that it really happens um, in, in a non-sleazy, non-smutty way. It's by, it's by developing intimacy, in this case, physical intimacy, uh, where you have as deep of a connection as possible being expressed along with the sexual component. Um, not saying this in a bragging way, having been sexual in many different contexts over a long period of time, that is the best sex, in my opinion. Um, that is the most fulfilling type of relationship. Yeah. And the problem is, is oftentimes the culture, and especially the, porn, the pornography culture, teaches just the opposite. Oh, gosh. It's okay. all about toys and positions and the more you know, the more daring and risky and crazy and outside the envelope you can get, the better it's going to be. Yes, And it took me a long time to learn that that was the, I call it the great ripoff. 
Absolutely. You start pursuing all of those external things. And it's why we have to keep pushing the envelope further and further because the brain, the brain habituates to it. The novelty is done. And because mm-hmm. you don't have all the other issues with regard to intimacy in the relationship, you have to then go for the more bizarre, the more extreme, the more this, the more that. That's actually one of the great signs in a relationship that you're not developing the deep intimacy that's possible, that you have to keep going to these extremes. Sure. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really not what it seems. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, and if we were to kind of, so let's, 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 let's shift here a little bit. Let's kind of talk about, I kind of got us off track. I apologize, but let's go back to our, our sort of classic scenario, right? Wife comes to a spouse after setting some boundaries. So say she comes in and works with me in my office or in Mark's office. And we, we start talking about sexual safety. One of the boundaries that I oftentimes hear from wives, wives that's probably the most common is that, you know, after my husband has a relapse, usually I'm not really comfortable being sexual with him in some form or fashion for X amount of time, typically, right? And obviously that varies by the situation. But for example, many of the wives that I work with are pretty confident saying, you know, for example, for 48 hours after he's, I just know from experience, right? For 48 hours after he's, after he's relapsed, I just, I just know I'm not going to be in a place to connect with him in, in a really sexual way. Um, and so we will talk about that and we'll, we'll kind of formulate what that looks like. Well, then she takes that, uh, so let's say she takes that and she sets it as a boundary and shares that with their spouse. Mark, what's the reaction? <laughs> How does well, that look? <laughs> I'll tell you my reaction back in my, my early, early addiction days, when my wife set that boundary, then what I did is I went into a place of secrecy with regard to relapses. Mm, well, I'm sure. not going to tell her because mm. I know what the consequences are going to be. Yeah. And the great challenge with that, that it took me years to face was that was an extremely immature approach on my part. So go into secrecy, go into denial, act like nothing happened so that I can keep getting my way. Sure. I can keep getting quote, my needs met by sacrificing hers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I ask you something about that? Because this is good for listeners to talk about. And you and I have talked about this before. So we're going to make Mark get vulnerable here. (laughs) Right on the spot. Um, Were you really getting what you wanted? I know the answer to this question for me. But, you know, you use that phrase, you know, I I kept doing these things, right? I kept lying or deceiving or, you know, kind of holding things back so that those boundaries wouldn't apply and we'd keep having sex. But were you really getting what you wanted? Well, no. I mean, I didn't know that at the time. Sure, of course. Because I hadn't been through healthy recovery and I wasn't taught those skills. Yeah. And what I realized later that was the real evidence in the fact that I wasn't getting what I really wanted was that I kept pushing the envelope. Yes. Kept having to more, have more bizarre sex, more whatever. Mm-hmm. And all the time, what I realized years later was I really wanted to be close. I yes. wanted my wife to... Uh, consider me to be a good man, a, you know, a knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to feel respected and admired by her. And I didn't realize that's what I was really seeking for. Yeah. And the trouble was the more I pushed that those, the more I violated those boundaries. And I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times when we would come together to be sexual, you know, to be sexual, she was, uh, she was a form of pornography for my addict brain. Yep. Really kind of yep. filled the role of those, of what I was seeing in pornography. 
And in addiction, we find ourselves trying to act out the same things that we're viewing in pornography. And, and that's where we push the boundaries. Well, the more that I would do that, thinking I was getting my, quote, needs met, the more I was actually pushing her away because she could sense. I mean, how many times have we, you and I, heard uh, women that we work with say, I feel like my husband's prostitute. Oh, yeah. I feel like my husband's pornography. He's not there. I can feel that he's not present with me. He's someplace else. I can see it in his eyes. There's this blank look. And that's why women are so uncomfortable engaging in, in, in in sex after a husband's had a relapse because she's like, well, he's, but he's not having sex with me. How yes. do I know that he's here with me? Totally. You're hitting so if you, want, on the you point. get to the raw and the realness of it, there it is. I, I so agree with everything that you just said. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. And I, I look back on my own experience and, you know, our, the addiction among other things, you know, you and I've talked about how that it'll never be enough. Right. And I don't know if we've actually said that on a podcast at this point, but that's one of the attributes of knowing that, uh, that addiction might be present when you're talking about questioning, you know, am I an addict? Am I not? Uh, one of the most common characteristics is, is that it will never be enough. Whatever it is, it won't. It always needs more and more. Addiction is this constant attempt by the brain to fit a round peg in a square hole. It's this constant attempt to try and take sex and use it as a substitute for connection. And, and every time you try to plug that in, it's always temporary, it never lasts, and it ends up being hollow all by itself. What, what we're all craving on a deeper level, I feel, is intimacy. And all the sex in the world right, can't compensate for that. Um, sex is one way we express intimacy, but if you don't have that emotional connection component present, then what do you really have? Because even though orgasms can do and always will rock, right? Because they do. At the end of the day, does that bring, does that bring real happiness? It brings that pleasure component. But it doesn't bring that real happiness. It's the connection piece that does. And that's the beautiful thing about boundaries that I want to share with you guys is speaking as one addict to another, Mark and me, uh, talking to you guys, is that even though right now these, uh, you know, having boundaries may, quote, not be the droids you're looking for, you know, unquote, <laughs> um, they really are deep down in 99% of cases what you've been craving all along. Because your wife taking the time to set these boundaries and be vulnerable with you is the beginning of you guys having a greater level of intimacy than you've had it in at least a while, maybe ever. Kind of depends on the relationship. Um, and it's scary. <laughs> Because there's a lot of uncertainty to it and there's a lot of change. Going back to us addicts, right? We we rely heavily on our environment for homeostasis, right? Just a fancy term for we rely on our environment to kind of feel normal. And when somebody starts to shake up that reality, I mean, nobody likes getting uncomfortable, but addicts are especially kind of easily, you know, their boat is easily rocked by those kinds of things. But if you can trust this process with a good therapist, with somebody who knows what they're doing, and if and if it's done right. Uh, this can lead to that sexual relationship that deep down you've always wanted. So that's yeah, kind of the and one of the I've things got. I'm grateful for all these years later is if my wife had not set those boundaries, especially with regard to our sexual relationship, <clears throat> I would never have been, 
I'm not sure if forced is the right word, maybe forced is the right word, <laughs> um, to really confront the deeper issues that, that were underneath my addiction. We talk about addiction being a symptom, and it's the deep core issues that are driving that addiction is where the place of healing and recovery reside. Yes. If my wife had kept our sexual relationship just as it was because she didn't want to confront me, it was difficult, I was moody, just all the things that makes it really difficult and painful for her, for her, if she hadn't had the courage to set and hold those boundaries, I would never have been forced to face my deeper issues. And I'll yes. guarantee to you that I, I would be today, not where I was, I would be worse off because I would have continued in my downward spiral. But thank goodness she had the courage and the wisdom to hold those boundaries, even though it was tough at first. Now, because that caused me to, well, I can't run to my drug. I can't just go, you know, escape this stuff because she's not having sex with me right now. She's got a boundary. Crap, I got to face my issues. Okay, let's face my issues. And it was, it was a real blessing. Absolutely. Well, and, and when we talk about these boundaries, right, it's, it's, it's not just around the one that we've kind of been talking about, right, where it's like, you know, how long after a relapse do you not have sex? We can talk more in depth about that another time, like answering that specific question. But um, it, this expands into all sorts of, sorts of other areas, right? What we're really talking about if, we, if we're discussing boundaries in the sexual realm is, is everything from, from that, but all the way up to what people are comfortable with and uncomfortable with, right? Uh, you know, what is every, what, what is everyone involved, everyone who's involved, what's their preferences, you know, in different areas. Um, it's amazing how many couples have sex all the time, but don't talk about it and, uh, going through the boundaries and, and taking the time to, to work on this stuff, um, is where the real, the real power happens in a relationship. It's where, it's where amazing things happen. It's where greater connection comes about and it kind of bleeds through into every, every other area of the marriage. And so, um, there's, there's just so much that we could, we could and, and, and will be saying about these. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.